How about this daylight savings, huh? I honestly forgot. So when I got in my car, I was like, wait, why does it say 1049? Well, it's funny because I usually wake up around 830 every morning. It's just this weird yeah. instinctual thing that mm -hmm. happens. And Bob went, it's 930. And I went, oh, <laughs> what? Everything's wrong. It's, it's all up. <laughs> and so, yeah, that's how my morning started. <laughs> Atlanta, home of Stone Mountain. Yeah, it's just a, a big block of stone that sticks out of the ground. We're not much for originality here, I suppose. It is the Whole World Improv Theater podcast, brought to you by Whole World Improv Theater, Atlanta's original home of improv. Here are your hosts, artistic director Chip Powell, and a man who's just like you. He barely got his Mother's Day gift out on time, John Mihalik. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Whole World Improv Theater Podcast. I'm John Mihalik, and with me is my co-host, the artistic director of Whole World Improv Theater, Mr. Chip Powell. Oh, hi, John. We're about halfway now through meeting all of our main stagers. Yeah. And so at our halfway point, we have the incredibly talented Miss Jennifer Barron. Hi, guys. It's me. Hi, Jen. <laughs> I feel like I have to use a podcast voice because well, I have a podcast we, mic. That's what we Hi, do. Guys. We put our <laughs> podcast voices on. Take that voice again. Aren't you on a 800 number or 900 number? Yes. Call Whole World Theater. At, I don't know her number. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody knows phone numbers anymore. No, there's no need. I think I know two. I think three. Yeah. You need a couple in case you're in like an emergency. It's funny that I remember my mom and my dad's numbers like their home numbers what? do it's, they still have them yes they, oh. yeah they've had them for a very long time yeah my mom and she still has the same home line she still has the same home phone mm -hmm. that's insane and we just <laughs> wasted a lot of time on the podcast talking about that i can edit anything i know you can trust me I've, i was listening to season one again this morning in the bathroom and it's awesome the way you edit um so jen tell us acting how did it start? Uh, actually, I mean, it started with Whole World. Um, I did not act before this. I, it was not even a thought in my head. It was not something I wanted to do. I did choir most of my life, mm -hmm. and I was in a choir before this and was just looking for something else. So take us back. Where is the choir? Um. Oh, gosh, I don't even remember where they practiced. It was an audition choir. I think it was up in Sandy Springs. And they met once a week, but then we had a bunch of shows. We had to travel for shows. And they changed the dates for a season, and they just didn't work for me. So I needed something mm. else to do where I could interact with adults. And when you say travel, where did you travel to? Um, we did a festival in, I believe, Charlotte. Gotcha. Um, so that was a couple days that we had to go up there. And then we would have different concerts at different churches or venues around Atlanta or the surrounding area. Nice. Yeah, it was, it was fun, but it was a lot of work. So I chose improv. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't start in choir, but I did musical theater, but it led to choir from junior high to high school. Yeah. And I really enjoyed that. My nephew has the same, you can hear 
a note or a tune yeah. and you can match it. Yeah. And so that's what I always found exciting about it was trying to be in the chorus, mm-hmm. be in, uh, you know, we did the Messiah in Savannah, which is not an easy yep, number to do, <laughs> but I loved it. That was like my favorite like time because you know we went to the cathedral and we did the whole number and you know you just felt sassy pants yeah i mean it is a great experience and i think it's honestly a great example of what an ensemble is Mm -hmm. you know translating to improv because you really do have to blend and be part of something that's much Mm -hmm. bigger than yourself to make something gorgeous um and i've always loved choir Well, and then let's bring it to improv because what you just described is the basis of improv. Yeah, which is crazy that (laughs) it just translated so easily. But yeah, I um, actually learned about Whole World because of Lee Cuthbert, who is another main stager. She is good friends with someone I used to work with. And she used to tell me that her friend was in classes and did improv and she had a grad show and it just sounded pretty cool. And a week before classes, I signed up and never look back. So let's hold up a second here. (laughs) So Lee had a friend that Mm -hmm. was at Whole World. No. So Lee was at Whole World. She was friends uh, Uh, with Andrea White, who I worked with at Turner. Okay. Um, Okay. Andrea would always tell me about how her friend did improv and Uh performed and she would be going to her grad shows. And I was like, oh, this sounds sounds cool. I'm going to look it up. And there was a class starting and I just signed up and I've been here for what, five years? <laughs> we'll send her a koozie. Yeah. Yeah. She's been to shows. I'm sure she has gotten Probably a koozie. Got, got a koozie. <laughs> well, when the new it. magnets come in, I'll make sure she gets a new magnet. Okay. Ooh, yes. That's our advertising, folks. Koozies, <laughs> 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 magnets, well, and hey, condoms. You know, well, and condoms. Yes. I mean, you know, we got to get the word out. Yes, some way. Somebody out there is thanking us right now. For they their are, weekend condom gift. You know, we should take a poll next year and say, who used our condoms? <laughs> <laughs> who used them? Did they well, work? <laughs> you know, it, uh, we're always saying in the office, like, oh, if you end up having a baby um, from the whole world condom, that we will honor you when they hit a certain age to give them a whole summer camp. Yes. (laughs) Their kid can get a whole (laughs) summer camp. If the condom did not for some reason work, you get a whole. We need to like print little slips of paper and stuff them in the condoms. (laughs) So they, they know, they know what they're getting. (laughs) (laughs) These are the conversations that go on in our marketing office. (laughs) So no acting, just chorus. And then you've heard about whole world. Mm -hmm. When do you come to whole world? Um, 2017, I had never actually been to a show. I had been to, I think, a couple shows at Dad's Garage, but it was some of their scripted stuff, so I wasn't even sure what improv was. Um, so pretty much just came in blind. Tanya was my teacher and I just, I loved it. I loved everything about it. I loved working with people and creating stuff with your friends on stage. It just, it was a lot of fun and something that I never thought I would enjoy doing. But you did. I did. Yeah, I do. I still do. So this was acting for the very first time for you. Mm. Did that seem scary at first or how did you Yes. Oh my gosh. I like, when I came here, I was like, I have to look cool because these are going to be cool people who know what they're doing. (laughs) You you severely (laughs) overestimated us. I like wore like this beanie. I never wear beanies. And I was like, I'm cool. (laughs) The black turtleneck. But sorry, what was the question? I have the, you're going to find during this podcast, I have the worst memory. So you're going to have to repeat questions <laughs> multiple times. There you go. I was asking about how you dealt with the first time you were actually acting. Um, I mean, 
it sounds so stupid, but it doesn't feel like acting to me. It just feels like I get to be different versions of myself, which I know that actually sounds exactly like acting. <laughs> but it, I really do just feel like I genuinely get to be myself. I get to explore emotions and ideas that maybe I don't get to explore in my regular life. When you do a show, that's what I tell everyone, even when I teach, when the lights are on, you don't know an audience is there. So again, it just, it didn't feel like acting or what I thought acting would even feel like. So walk us through the process, your first class, what's going on? You Uh, got the beanie on. I got the beanie. (laughs) I got a sweater on that um, our former actor here, Drew Q, used to say, looked like I knit it out of hair. Um, So... (laughs) So I was wearing my hair jacket and a beanie. Um, And it was just, it was really easy. Um, Kind of the first class, you lay out the basics of improv, the yes ending and the first word, last word. And I did that stuff and I was like, oh, it's not so scary. I can talk to strangers and be goofy with strangers and it's not hard and it's not scary and it's kind of fun. And so you go through the program and then you have your first show. Yes. What yes. is what? Tell us that. Well, what, what's that if, feel like? If anyone knows Tanya, sweet, sweet Tanya, she likes to throw curveballs. She um, sure does. But you know, they're for the better good. Um, yeah. When you look back on it, you're like, I understand why you were doing this. Yeah. Um, and she, <laughs> she started our very first show with a line wrap. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> I, I can't tell you much about that first show because I think once words started leaving my mouth, I blacked out for most of the show. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So could not tell you what happened in that show. I do know I rapped about a snake and a rake. That was my rhyme. That was my solid 201 rhyme was snake and rake. Um, (laughs) But I honestly could not tell you what happened (laughs) during that show. But I know I loved it. It like it made me want to keep going. It made me want to keep learning and do more advanced games. And obviously at that time I was coming to shows and seeing what the main stage was doing. And I was like, I wanna, I wanna do that. I wanna play eight words. I wanna do the harder games. And it really is an indescribable feeling being on the stage because it just it feels so good on stage and off stage. And especially having people come up to you and be like, You made me laugh. I came to be entertained and mm-hmm. you entertained me. Mm-hmm. It's it's <laughs> it's a great feeling. You lived up to your billing. <laughs> yes. I was not disappointed. I don't want a refund. <laughs> <laughs> so you get through your first show. You're going through the rest of the um, yeah. program. When did you get asked to come into the apprentice program? I actually think I got asked before graduation. Um, I think think me, Dan, and Brett um, were invited to come in. I think it was a couple of weeks before we graduated. I think there was a break for December, and then we were graduating in January. So Mr. Chip Powell left me a message, <laughs> <laughs> and I called him back, and he mm-hmm. said, hey, you want to join? Here's, here's what you got to do. And I was like, absolutely. Absolutely, I want to join. And then I was not cool when I came here. I was so intimidated. Did you have the hat on? No, I didn't. <laughs> That's why. That was, guys, I didn't have my hair jacket. I didn't have my hat. Um, but God, I will I will say joining, <laughs> joining the cast is a hundred times more intimidating than just doing classes. Because um, it's obviously a very 
tight-knit group and it's not like anyone's mean or anyone's excluding you, but you're coming into a very established group of people who know what they're doing and you're coming from classes and you're like, oh, I thought I knew what I was doing (laughs) and now I'm here (laughs) and I'm having to go up with main stagers and I don't think I know what I'm doing anymore. (laughs) But I think everybody goes through that. I mean, I even went through that, you know, many, many years ago, but I always think it's funny because when we're seeing talent come up, and you're watching all these showcases, you kind of already know being a director, like, oh my God, this person, I love their energy. I love what they're putting out. I love what they're doing and I want them. Yeah. And so you make the offer. I always think it is a difficult transition to come from that into the apprentice program because you are figuring things out. We are saying, hey, you don't have to pay anymore, but you're going to pay with time and learning and working. And that's a difficult transition for people. Yes. And I think the first (laughs) rehearsal I had here, it was a combined rehearsal with the main stage and the apprentices. um, And it was a character workshop led by Grant. Um, (laughs) And so we broke up into smaller circles and basically the whole workshop was pointing at people and telling them what they looked like so you could act it out. And I was like, wow. This is my confidence. Is, woo, hey. not, <laughs> <laughs> new people, tell me what I look like. You don't know me. <laughs> but you fit right in with us almost immediately. You're one of the cool kids now. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I, still, I still don't feel like it. <laughs> really? I still feel like I'm like floating through space and everyone's so much cooler than me. Well, I remember um, one of the first things I learned about you is Random dancing. Jennifer would just randomly dance sometimes mm-hmm. after the show out in the bar. It's, Nervous energy all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, suddenly she was <laughs> in the middle of a conversation a group of us are having, a song would change and suddenly Jennifer's. <laughs> yes, yeah. that is accurate. Sometimes I just don't know what to do with my body or I get uncomfortable. So dancing. Just random dance. Random, random dancing, dance. you know. <laughs> I'm a very awkward person. I think I just play it off nicely and people don't realize, maybe. I think they realize. Oh, <laughs> I thought it was hiding it so well. Damn it. <laughs> Five years of my life. <laughs> so what's it like for you? You're sitting at a rehearsal. Every time we have a rehearsal on Wednesdays, there's a brief meeting where mm-hmm. Chip or Emily would put out whatever information that we all needed to know. And then Chip calls you up to main stage. What's that like? Amazing. (laughs) I actually wasn't going to be at rehearsal that day. (laughs) And you would have had to have waited two years. I I would have been taken off the list. Um, David was like, oh, this is a really important rehearsal. You should probably be here. And then Emily calls me and is like, you should be at rehearsal. And I was like, okay, Mm -hmm. something Something's up. up. Something's happening. But I didn't know it was that. I just thought there was some kind of announcement or something was happening. I mean, it feels great because you work really, really hard. And the main stage is obviously main stage for a reason. And it just it feels really good to be acknowledged and be part of that main stage group. So what's your first show like after that? Oh, God. (laughs) I think it was awful. (laughs) So bad. Because I think it's the same transition. I think, you know, the same transition between being a student and then going to apprentice is pretty similar to being an apprentice going to main stage. Because these are people you've watched and you've trained under and you learn from them and then you join them and you're once again like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm so out of my element. So, I mean, I'm sure I was hesitant in my first shows as 
main stager, you know, felt not as comfortable as I did when I was an apprentice and feeling good about being an apprentice. So it definitely is a transition Mm. going from one to the other again. Well, that's why I like when we do this, because it's for people that obviously are students are probably listening to this and they want to know what's the key. Like, how do you do this? But (laughs) it is a transition. This program is supported in part by Georgia Council for the Arts through the appropriations of the Georgia General Assembly. Georgia Council for the Arts also receives support from its partner agency, the National Endowment for the Arts. And thank goodness for organizations like these, because now more than ever, anybody sick of that phrase? Everyone knows how important the arts are, because where did everybody turn to? years of health arts. Let's keep recognizing these amazing organizations for what they are and what they do. We love you. So what do you feel like your biggest success was when you became main stage? What was your shining moment? You were doing Christmas shows. It was the Misfit Toys. Mm -hmm. It was a 10 o'clock show. And I feel like I just was feeling it. I was Dolly. Dolly. And I was feeling it. And I I had like a singing moment where it was just me. And for some reason, I remember a spotlight on me. I know there was not a spotlight, but that's what I was feeling. And I got up on the bar and I was singing like a jazzy tune. And I was just spinning myself around on the bar. Um, That was also the show, which cut this if it's too much for Mm -hmm. people listening. But that was also the show where you, Mr. Chip Powell, um, (laughs) forward and reverse Jake spitting food into and out of my mouth about four times. (laughs) So... Well, you know, when you make bold choices, you get rewarded for this. Oh, God, have mercy. (laughs) That is like whenever anyone asked me, like, what was like your moment on stage? I was like, when Jake spit food in my mouth four times, that that was my moment. This was pre COVID. (laughs) It was, yes. Pre COVID. It was pre COVID. Everyone was consensual. We didn't even know what COVID was. We all know that Jake would do it through COVID and after COVID. We all know Jake. And for everyone listening, this is not a requirement. (laughs) (laughs) You get on main stage, you get food spit in your mouth. (laughs) Hi, Jake. You're on this journey, but you also are working with our kids programming. Talk about that journey. Yeah, I've always loved teaching. I've always loved working with kids. And when I heard we had a kids program, I asked Tanya, hey, can I just show up and watch? I just want to be part of it. So I think for two years, I came here every Saturday morning and just sat with Tanya and watched her. Um, And I started helping David out with camp and watching him and seeing how he taught and handled his class program. And I adore the class program, especially the kids class program. It's just an amazing experience. And it always sounds so cliche to say, you know, my kids teach me, but... Mm -hmm. I, kids have no inhibitions with improv. Mm-hmm. They get up on stage and say whatever they want. And I love watching them. I love learning from them. And I love teaching them. You're with Improvious Prime, our teen performance group. What are you learning from your uh, teenagers? <laughs> uh, I think just trusting your gut. They don't second guess what they're going to say. I think they also just aren't afraid of failing on the stage. Like they will get up here and just look absolutely ridiculous but it's funny and they're having fun i see how they you know play with each other on stage and they enjoy 
making people do things on stage. And I feel like I do that now to people on stage. <laughs> I definitely put people in situations where I'm like, you're going to do this now because it's going to be funny for me. <laughs> um, and <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I see the kids do that. And it's just a lot of fun to actually watch people come up on stage and just genuinely be up here because they want to have fun. Well, they mimic life. And I've seen shows where they're mimicking their grandparents or their parents. And you can look around the audience and see who's laughing and go, oh, that's the kid. Yes. And it's always amazing to me because they can do it without foul language, without innuendo. They do it seamlessly. And that's why I always tell actors that are having a hard time with that, like you need to come watch the kids show because they will teach you a couple of things about how to do this without going all the way there, Yeah, but in a way that they are just brilliant. And that's what makes me very happy because- You know, we had our conversation with Josh because Josh came from that world Mm -hmm. and now he's a main cast member. And I still don't see him like he still stays within the realm until he takes his shirt off and then it's different. (laughs) But but for the most part, the kids, man, they really rock. And I love our kids programming. He got taking his clothes off, I think, from you. That was your influence. Damn it. I know. I I also took my clothes off. Because well, I did well, and fr- Friday night I took my clothes off. Yeah, oh, I'm sorry, That's from right, the top right. to the bottom. I was in that scene though. The last scene when he dropped his pants was mm. I was in it with him and uh, and, and then uh, well, I was a jock when I took my top off, mm. but then I was. Um, uh, I don't even remember now. All I, I was all narcissistic. I, I was narcissistic. <laughs> and you took so your it was pants about off. me, and so I needed to show people me. And as soon as he did it, this feeling just came out. I was just like, of course, of course, he took his shirt off. Well, now the he's went out. I mean, literally, I stopped acting on stage, and I'm just. But like, the lights went out, and it ended the show. So you're welcome. <laughs> you know, you got to know how to end your scenes on a high note. <laughs> Major support for Whole World Improv Theater is provided by the Atlanta Mayor's Office of Cultural Affairs, where beautiful people bring you the arts while surrounded by singing birds and fairies. They must have us mistaken for something like Shakespeare in the Park. Or the vagina monologues. Vagina. I want to talk about your characters because there's one in particular that you know, you know where I'm going with this. I I mean, I absolutely love, you know, when main casters find something and they're able to deliver it in a way that the director or them seeing the show wants to put that in the Mm -hmm. show. So let's talk about one of your characters. Is it Sarah? Yes, it is Sarah. (laughs) Describe Sarah for our audience. Um, So Sarah, she's a sweet girl from Independence, Missouri, and she's the wagon leader of her Oregon trail group. Um, (laughs) And basically just disaster follows Sarah around. And it usually involves me killing multiple family members before the end of the scene. America's first serial killer. (laughs) When little Billy died of scurvy. And then I think I made another Billy die of something. And I was like, there were two Billies, two two of them. They were twins. (laughs) They were twins and one had scurvy. And it was along the Oregon Trail. Yes, uh, she's fun. And I actually, that whole character came because I found a dress at Goodwill. And it was just a ridiculous dress. Um, And I actually used to live in Missouri. And I was not a Mennonite, but I lived in a Mennonite community. So 
I think my first character in classes was a Mennonite. Um, and it slowly just kind of transitioned from a Mennonite to someone on the Oregon Trail because I used to play that a lot as a kid. So I <laughs> could come up with all the diseases and ways to die. I was trying out another character. Her name was Karen, and she was uh, like a math geek, but she loved dark arts, and she would just murder people in her basement. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't getting great responses for her yeah. every single time. So I was like, all right, maybe me personally killing people is a turnoff. So yeah. diseases, I'll make diseases and animals kill people, and that seems to really resonate with our audience. <laughs> it does. It's like so funny because it's like here comes this – simple plain girl out on the stage and any sort of thing is disaster. Just a disaster. So you do have a lot of characters. Is it that easy for you? I mean, you buy a dress and mm. then you get a character. What else inspires nah, characters? Oh, I will say characters are probably one of my hardest things. So it's great that you guys think my characters are great because I feel like I struggle with characters and I get two in my head so my goals as main stager, I come up with certain goals and I probably sometime last year I wanted to work on my characters and I wanted to work on coming up with a new character right before the game. So I wasn't too in my head. So I started doing that and I think it's been a great success. I came up with Fern. Um, she is just kind of a hippie chick who laughs a lot and doesn't quite understand the ways of the world but she's super fun and my one of my other oldest characters Denise I haven't brought her out in a while but she's a crazy redneck chick who lives out in the woods of Marietta um she's a lot of fun <laughs> to do I remember that character I mean, we need to get Denise and Misty Mudflaps together oh, when yeah. Tanya's on yes <laughs> yes I haven't I haven't brought Denise back in a while I think it's time <laughs> yeah You've been listening to people talk about improv, so why not try it yourself? Whole World Improv Theater has in-person improv classes for beginners and seasoned actors alike. No prior experience is needed. Our class program is eight weeks long and full of people just like you who want to learn and have a lot of fun. Just check out our website to learn more or sign up. The website is wholeworldtheater.com. And that's theater with an R-E at the end, because we're fancy. So your main cast, and tell our listeners what you're working on outside of here, because I think they'll be very fascinated. Yeah. So outside my regular job, I do music supervision and clearance for film and TV. So that means I negotiate rights for music to be placed into things. So I started my own business. This is year four of me owning my own business. Um, and it's been insane and crazy and wonderful. And I'm so happy that I decided to, you know, start my own business. And so what is your business? Tell us. Basically, either a production or a music supervisor will bring me on a show. Typically, the director will be heavily involved with the creative process and they'll say, you know, we need this song for this scene. And so you'll go out and negotiate those rights and something comes in too high, then you have to creatively find new things to pitch to them that they can replace tracks with. So it's really working with the production to create the musical mood of mm -hmm. whatever you're working on. Well, I think that's so important too, when you're watching a series or a show and yes. the music does add that balance when there's no talking. 
because I can tell you there's several shows that I am watching right now that music is really important. Yeah. What popped up in my mind is Guardians of the Galaxy wouldn't mm-hmm. be the movie it was without that soundtrack. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. Like you would be the person getting um, Mr. Blue Sky. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I negotiate those rights. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's definitely, it's been a journey because most of the people who do what I do are out in LA and I refuse to move to LA. And I was like, I'm going to show everybody that they're wrong. (laughs) So it's not like there's any movies being produced here in Atlanta. Yeah. Well, I think it was interesting too, because I was really listening to season one just Mm -hmm. to get my bearings again, because I want to change things up for season four. And I was listening to it and watching a lot of the original cast members because we were all moving to L.A. Mm -hmm. And a lot of them did, but a lot of them have moved back or they're coming back here because there's more work here in Atlanta. Yeah. So good choice because then you get to come in here on the weekends and (laughs) dazzle. Yes. Yes, it's the best of both worlds. <laughs> and I love I love Georgia. I know some people don't love it, but I think it has everything that I want. It's yeah. a city, but two hours north is some mountains and yeah. four hours. There's a beach. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. I think it's the best. Well, it is. It really is. You know, I've traveled the whole entire U.S., you know, with different theater troops. I've seen a lot and I enjoyed it, but there's just nothing like home. Yeah. I don't know what it is. It's like you leave, but you want to come back. Yes. And, you know, Atlanta's a, it's a hot place to be right now. <laughs> it's a hot place. To Move to Atlanta, but stop buying all the homes. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, my hometown is like the anti-Atlanta. Yeah, where are you from? Toledo. Oh, okay. You know, fun fact, you always meet more people who are from Toledo than actually live in Toledo. (laughs) Oh, gosh. (laughs) Yeah. You know, my mom kept asking me, like, well, you could always move back to Toledo. I'm just like, mom, there's just like everything. (laughs) Well, I was having dinner with my brother last night at Trader Vic's, which is one of the few Trader Vic's that's still around. And oh, my God, it was so good. That's where they had their wedding reception, and it was their anniversary. They're always like, you know, East Atlanta Village, you should come over. I was like, why would I want to? I can walk, I can walk across my street, and I've got Italian, Mexican, <laughs> yeah. I've got wings, I got barbecue, I got sushi, I got everything in my neighborhood that you would ever want. And I'm in the heart of Midtown with the Rainbow Crosswalk that they're trying to destroy every week. And you know, I mean, I'm in a destination. Yeah, no, you're, <laughs> it you might are... be a dangerous destination, Actually, but. I was driving Camila and Cassidy, two of our apprentice members, somewhere, and we passed by your place, and I was like a tour guide. I was like, "Here's artistic director. You'll see on your right." He still has Christmas lights on his upper balcony. Do you know, Jim? He has not taken those down yet. (laughs) They will be up for another year for the summer. Okay, you know, it's a beacon. Yeah. I want people to be able to find me. That's good. That's good. It's funny because people all the time at Campanola go out and go, see where those Christmas lights are still <laughs> hanging? That's where Chip lives. Oh, that is funny. It is hilarious. I'm, I'm fine with it. I'm fine with the Christmas lights hey, any time I, of the know, year. You know, damn it. I just figured people needed some joy. I think it's good. <laughs> I agree. I was going to give it to them through my laziness. <laughs> <laughs>
Because I used to go up there and change the colors of the lights, and I was like, fuck, I, no. I, don't, I don't care no more. No. They're there now. <laughs> it's just there. Enjoy, everyone. Merry Christmas. <laughs> In July. In July. <laughs> All right, so take us to the point now that you are a main cast member at Whole World, and you're doing shows. You've got this other business that you're running. How are you balancing all of this, and what's it like now to be a main cast member? Um, I mean, balancing, I will say my uh, boyfriend, David, is a great support because I just cry a lot. Wow. <laughs> I definitely think I can take on everything, and I cannot. Um, so... It is a lot to juggle, but these are two things that I love very deeply. So mm. a little crying's okay sometimes. Um, is, yeah, I cry. Yeah. <laughs> I cried last night. Oh, did you? I did. Oh, I'm It sorry. was during Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Oh. And okay. it was when, you know, Susie's doing the speech to her dead roommate. Oh. And there's nobody at the funeral. So she takes the picture and she runs over to the room that has a lot of people. And she says, damn it, I'm going to give a speech about him because people need to hear it. And it was very me and a tissue. And Bob laughs at me. He thinks it's funny. But I'm like, damn it, this is emotional. Let's cry. So it's okay to cry. I feel like I was tearing up just listening to you say that stuff. <laughs> I cry so much. <laughs> um, but I mean, yeah, it's okay that I have so much going on because I want to be here and I want to be at my job. So I definitely make it work. As far as the main stage, it's definitely changed from the main stage that I saw when I was coming up. But, you know, that doesn't mean it's better or worse. It's yeah. definitely just different. Well, it was through a pandemic. Yes. <laughs> yes. You're looking at main stage through the eyes <laughs> of a pandemic. And let me just tell you, it's uh, nothing I've ever seen before. And yeah. I've been here 28 years. Yeah. So. It yeah. it was tough. It would, I mean, you know, oh, you yeah. know, everyone yeah, knows. Yeah, it was yeah. it was definitely tough, but we we did it, and we're still here, which I think mm -hmm. is a testament to what whole world is and how much people mm -hmm. care about it. Um, yeah. Because we made it, and we're still doing great. Yeah, I will say this: Is it going to ever be the same? No, because even talking back to season one, how we were and what we did was so different back then. But every generation needs to have their own thing. Mm -hmm. That's what I love about us is that we continually change and we change with the instructors, the MCs, the main cast performers, the apprentice performer. They, everything makes it what it is. And it's not just one person. You know, I can direct all day long, but it's not just me. It's what everybody brings to the table. And that's what I love about what we do is because when we bring it to the table, we get Sarah, this interesting character that we can use. We get Jake, who's a musician that can also be a main stage performer. We get Lee, who inspired you to come and take classes. <laughs> and yet she's also a musician and a main stage performer. It's all the flavors that come together. And that's what I tell my students. You're not trying to mimic or copy anybody. You're just trying to be your authentic self. Yeah. And when you bring that to the table with all the things that are in your arsenal, you create art and therefore we have a show. Yeah. And so it's always going to change and grow. And who knew we were going to run through a, a pandemic, but we did. And damn it, here we are. <laughs> and it is what it is. Yeah. And so thank God people are still coming yeah. to sit in these seats and enjoy this show. And that's what I love about it.
Yeah, I agree. And you can, you know, with that, you saying, you know, different characters, different flavors, you do learn a lot just from being on stage with these people and seeing how they approach situations. And, you know, I've grown in my improv after being a main stager just because I'm working with different people and I see what they're doing and I'm like, that's fun. I'm going to do something crazy like that. And then you do it and it feels good. And you're like, hey, I can be bold. I can be super physical on stage and it's okay. And it's funny. Yeah. You know, one of the reasons that I I listen to the podcast, <laughs> I listen to our own podcast, <laughs> is because, you know, when I'm in the bathroom getting ready, I tell Alexa, hey, Alexa, play Whole World Improv podcast. And she does. But I do it because Bob's like, where are you going? What are you doing? I was like, oh my God, Alexa. So play this and I leave it on when I leave so that he, <laughs> this is why I'm not here Sunday mornings. Okay. And it's not like he was a brunch person to begin with anyway. Yeah. He's not. Yeah. So there you go. Listen. And so he always stays in bed and I'm like, listen to the podcast. I thought all this time he liked my idea of telling stories about the theater, but no. It was, <laughs> I need my husband to listen to something on Sunday mornings. Well, no, he doesn't. That's why I play it. Because I'm like, I'm like, do you know what I'm doing? He's like, no. And I'm like, listen. Because he wakes up and he's like, What's for dinner? And I'm like, oh my God, I haven't even like had a cup it's of coffee. It's 9 a.m. Hello, I haven't had a cup of coffee. And of course it was 9 a.m., but it was really 10 this morning yes. because of that stupid time. <laughs> so Damn stupid. Them. Damn them. But there will be more sun later now, and I'm good with that. So one last question for you before we wrap up. What advice would you give to apprentices or students? Oh, wow. I would say just be open to the process. I think where people get hung up or they're not seeing the success that they want to see is because they think they already know what they're doing or they have already developed a little bit of a type of improv and they're like, yes, this is working. I'm going to stick with it. But truly your best moments in improv come when you can just be adaptable and you can be in a scene with somebody and do something out of your comfort zone. And that's probably going to be the scene where you get your biggest laugh is when you start pushing yourself out of your comfort zone. So trust the process, trust the people that you're working with and, you know, do something crazy sometimes on stage. And it's probably going to be funny. Like have little Billy on the side of the <laughs> road dying of scurvy. <laughs> yes. No, no dying of scurvy. You don't have to take your clothes off. You, well, and everyone you has certainly to. certainly don't have to have food. John, you just cut my improv in half. Like, can we, can we keep that going? Jen, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. This is fun. Well, we're glad you're here and we're glad you're main stage. So yes. keep on keeping on. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening this week. My name's Johnny Howard. I'm Chip Powell. And scene. Thanks for listening to the Whole World Improv Theater Podcast a podcast that John edits while he should be working at his day job. The Whole World Improv Podcast is a production of Whole World Improv Theater in association with Headspace Industries. The executive producer, writer, and lord of the improv dance is Chip Powell. Recording and post-production by John Mihalik. Keep those credits, John. Humble, straight to the point, in line to be the next Pope, or in line to be the next Elizabeth Warren. 
Original music by The Gentle Readers. Our social media maven is Bethany Rowe. Please help support this podcast by liking, subscribing, and leaving us a review. Don't worry, no one will see it except us and the rest of the internet. But people don't like to leave positive reviews. I think I've left... That's not true. I've left some pretty silly reviews. Mostly when people complain about really, really weird stuff. Like I used to live next to Griffith Park in Los Angeles. And people would write horrible reviews for the apartment complex because they saw raccoons and uh, squirrels and skunks. And they're literally about 10 feet away from the entrance of a very flourishing park. What? Like what? Oh, you can't stand to see a little raccoon. They didn't bite. I swear people sometimes. Los Angeles, the land where year-round you can go commando. I mean, I guess you can go commando anywhere, but Chicago, I feel like I haven't seen 90% of the skin on my body because I've been bundled up for the past seven months. We're in May, and it's, it's raining today. Raining cold again. Please help support by donating at our website, wholeworldtheater.com. And remember, it's tax deductible. I mean, ask the government ever lent you 20 bucks for gas when you needed it. Here I am picking apart what I can deduct for all the costumes that I bought and all those dang billionaires. That's flim-flamming about and I'm worried about a hundred bucks here and there, sitting in a tiny concrete apartment. Additional writing and voiceover from me, Kate Arlo, the ever so charming. John, <laughs> stop. John wrote the ever so charming me no no he didn't write that thanks for listening and we'll see you next week complaining that there are critters in a park or next to a park is like complaining that there are nipples on a cat they belong there nipples belong on a cat or any other lactating thing i don't think about cats nipples don't get your head out of the gutter my cat shows me her nipples so much Oh, I've seen so much of one cat's nipples. She she's on her back more than than more than an auto mechanic. <laughs> you thought I was gonna say something dirty. <laughs> oh, I wanted to, but I didn't. Inappropriate sometimes. She's just a cat, and it shows that she's comfortable, obviously, which I'm honored by. But man, that cat loves her nipples in the air. Oh, and the spread eagle. I don't know. She's the light of my life. Kate, you should have children. You should have children because you can't obsess over your little tuxedo cat. She's not. She's kind of chunky. She needs to go on a diet. Um, child, listen. Mm -mm 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 -mm. I'm fine. I'm fine. Stable.